Brother Seth and I were fellowshipping at the table, and I went to get me some watermelon. I love watermelon. And I thought, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't be eating watermelon before I preach. So we were joking. Brother, would you come up and lead us in some genealogies? <laughs> yeah, and he begat, and he begat. It's good to be with you today, and uh, my family and I were happy to be here. And it's a blessing to uh, see what the Lord is doing, and that you're faithful. And we see the same faces we did that when we were here before and maybe even some new ones. Take your Bible, please, and go to Luke chapter 1. We'll continue with what I started this morning. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus Christ said to Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Lord Jesus Christ is the founder, the builder, the maker of the church. And we consider this morning how the Lord had called a man, a man whose name was John. John 1.6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. And uh, we, we uh, see in Luke chapter 1, we read it this morning. I think we read it or I, I uh, referred to it. The Bible says in verse number... Let's begin reading in verse 14. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to, their, to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John was sent to prepare a people. John the Baptist would preach. People were saved. He'd baptize them, and he would disciple them. These were Baptist disciples uh, of which Jesus used to start his church. And we considered this morning that John the Baptist, to a large degree, is who he is because of the training and the, and the parents that he had. Uh, and we, we saw that the parents have a great deal of responsibility to train their children in the way of the Lord and to prepare them to be fit vessels to be used of the Lord any way that God should, should use them. And... Uh, John and, uh, excuse me, Zacharias and Elizabeth, Elizabeth, they were faithful. They were saved people. Uh, they married right. They prayed unto the Lord for a child. Uh, and in the meantime, they didn't become bitter against God for not having a child, but they served God faithfully. Zacharias the priest, uh, he did what he did as unto the Lord, not as unto men. And finally, the angel of the Lord came and said, your prayer has been heard. You are going to have a child. You'll have a son. His name is John. And he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Verse 15. And I want you to see in verse number uh, 41 of Luke chapter 1. In between here, we see the angel coming to Mary and to reveal to her she's going to have the Christ child. Mary then goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth. The Bible says, and it came to pass when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Look down in verse number 67. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost. So here you have a father filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the mother filled with the Holy Spirit, and you have John filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Here is a great example of a good Baptist family, the first family where every member of the family is filled with the Holy Ghost. 
And that ought to be something that we strive for and that we trust God for and we, we desire. What I want you to see now is, we'll read again what, what the angel said to John, parents. In verse number 15, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. That ought to be our motive and our focus for who we are and who we train our children to be, that true greatness is in the sight of the Lord. True greatness is not what man says. True greatness is not what the world says. But, a, but John would be great in the sight of the Lord. That is all that matters is God's opinion, God's favor upon us as saved people, upon our church, upon our lives as individuals, and it should be what we instill in our children, that God's opinion is what matters. John would be great in the sight of the Lord, not in the sight of men. And I'm afraid, parents, we can, we can give the wrong message to our children when we start elevating our own, our own uh, reputation, what people think of us, how we appear to others, uh, what uh, people's opinions are of ourselves. We become people pleasers. That's very dangerous for a Christian to become a people pleaser and to want to be great in the sight of men or to want to receive the praise of men. And we have to be careful of that. I don't know if you as parents are much involved in uh, Facebook. I'm not saying you're committing a, a sin by having it. I do know this, though. It certainly can be used to the devil, and it can be used to promote self. Same thing with Instagram. I mean, what is Facebook? What is Instagram? You know, people use it today to post uh, photos of themselves. And they have so many different poses of themselves. You know what I'm saying? You know, here is me like this. Here is me like this. Here is me like this. Here is me, you know, like this. How many, how many photos do people need to see of you? Really, it's a love of self. Did you know that? In the last days, men shall be lovers of their own selves. And we begin to communicate to our children that we want to be great in the eyes of people. And that's very, that's very dangerous. The Bible says, He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. John the Baptist was separated unto the Lord. And the Bible teaches that if we are going to be uh, fit vessels to be used of the Lord, we have got to purge ourselves from these. Well, what's these? Well, in a great house, there are not only vessels of, of uh, you know, gold and silver, but there's vessels of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. And if a man purge himself from those things that bring dishonor, he shall be a vessel sanctified and meet for the master's own use. And that is something we must do as parents, but that's something that we also we have to teach our children, and we teach them by example. John was separated unto the Lord. And we need to be separated unto the Lord. Well, the angel said John's ministry would be this, verse 16, And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. You know, if you read in Matthew chapter 3, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness. The wilderness of Judea. As you know from Bible history, from Malachi unto Matthew, there's what's called the 400 silent years. Heaven was silent. God didn't raise up a prophet. And John the Baptist was the first. And when God had instructed John, prepared John. He was in the deserts until his showing unto Israel. 
When it came time for John to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, to where did God send him? He didn't send him to the synagogue. He didn't send him to the place of, 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 of worship, as it were. God told John, I want you to go and preach this message, but I want you to go to the wilderness. Why the wilderness? Well, think of the root word of wilderness. It's wild. And the Bible teaches that the wilderness is full of wild beasts. And you know who else is out there? The devil. Satan is in the wilderness. The wild beasts are in the wilderness. Temptations are in the wilderness. And I believe that God was communicating to John, the reason, John, I'm sending you out in the wilderness is because that is a type of the spiritual condition of the people. They are very far from God. And I want you to go, John, and preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I want you to turn people to God from their idols. I want you to go to the wilderness. You know, turning people to God, that's what the Bible calls repentance. I was talking with Brother Seth. We were discussing this doctrine of repentance. It's a biblical doctrine. John the Baptist preached it. Jesus preached it. The same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The apostle... Uh, Peter preached repentance on the day of Pentecost. The Apostle Paul preached repentance, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus Christ said that except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Even the rich man that we heard in hell said, no, I know that if you'll send Lazarus, they will repent. He knew why he was in hell. He didn't repent. Jesus Christ said in Luke chapter 24, Luke's uh, version, I guess, of the Great Commission. Listen to it. I'll read it to you. Luke chapter 24. You don't need to turn there. The Bible says, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. <coughs> Excuse me. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Repentance. And John was to preach... And the Bible says here, the angel said that many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. John was going to prepare a people for the Lord from which Jesus could start his church. And listen, that hasn't changed. If a New Testament church is going to reproduce itself and produce another church, then God needs to and will call a man. The church trains the man. The church sends the man and he goes and preaches repentance. He preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when people are saved, of course they get baptized and then they're discipled. That is what God sent John to do. To prepare these people. Jesus was going to start a church. And the message would be repentance. But where would John begin? Well, he'd start preaching in the wilderness, but to whom? To whom would John be focusing his attention? What would be the results of his preaching? I want you to see this in John's, uh, sorry, in Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And he shall go before him, before the Lord, in the spirit and power of Elias, notice, to turn the hearts of the fathers 
to their children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Black Road Baptist Church, do you know where missions begins? In the home. That's what it says right here. John was going to preach repentance. He was going to turn people. And it would be the Spirit of God, but it would be the result of his preaching. And the angel said, John's preaching is going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. You know what this tells me, beloved? The condition of the people at this time was such. Getting right down to the home. The hearts of the fathers were away from their children. John was sent to prepare people for the Lord. And the Lord wanted John and his preaching to start at home first. Let me say this, that it's unnatural for a father's heart not to be turned toward his children. What are some of the signs of these last days? For men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. It's not natural for a woman to murder her child. Abortion, that's not natural. It is not natural for a woman to have a child and then just a few short weeks afterwards give her baby to somebody while she goes and pursues her career. And really the child becomes an interruption of my personal goals. That, that's not natural. For a mother to be separated from her child. It's not natural for a father to not have his heart turned toward his children. That's not natural. And yet that was the case here. This is missions. This is what God called John to do, to prepare people for the Lord. And it began in the home. What are some signs that a father's heart is not turned toward his children? I'll give you three. The first one is the father has no time for his children. There's no time. You know, a child picks up on that very quickly. No time. The children become an inconvenience. No time. And Father, let me say this to you, uh, to help you. You know, a father can think, oh, no, 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 I spend time with my my child, my, my child goes with me wherever I go. If I'm going to the hardware store, my child is with me. And when, I, when, my child, when I'm going to the bank, my child is with me. If I have to stop and go to the grocery store, my child is with me. I spend time with my child. No, you don't. You don't spend, your child's spending time with you but you're not spending time with your child. You only start spending time with your child 
when you start doing things that he wants to do or she wants to do. Hey, Daddy, Daddy, would you come out and play uh, uh, Cowboys and Indians with me? Not, not going to do that. I got something else I got to do. Why don't you come with me, boy? I got to run over to, you know, so-and-so's place, and you can come along, ride with me in the truck. That's not spending time with your ch children. You know, Jesus... He's the son of God, but do you remember one of the names that Isaiah said would be to the Lord Jesus, the son of God? His name shall be called what? Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Jesus was a father. And Jesus spent time with his children as a shepherd, as a, as a pastor, as, you know, Jesus said, I'm not ashamed to call them my brethren. These are even my brethren. But he was a father. Look in uh, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. And let's please read. Let's please read verse 13. And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him and he ordained twelve, notice, that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Jesus Christ wanted his disciples in his presence, in his company. These men whom Jesus was calling into the ministry, they had much to learn. And they would learn from observation. They would learn from hearing. The eye gate and the ear gate, the eye gate and the ear gate are the two senses that we receive and process the most information. And they would hear many things and they would see many things. And the Bible has much to say uh, uh, about that. You know, on, on the uh, day of Pentecost, Peter said the things that you've both seen and heard. Uh, the, uh, the Lord Jesus in, in teaching about parables and so on, He said, they have eyes to see, but they see not. They have ears to hear that they hear not. They've closed you know, those things that they should understand. They, they, they don't understand. But the hearing and the seeing is what was necessary. The Bible says in, in Peter, I believe it is, that Lot vexed his righteous soul in, the, in, in both seeing and hearing. And so Jesus wanted His disciples to be with them. He wanted to be among them so He could teach them as a father with a child. The Bible says in Proverbs, uh, you know, that we are to, uh, or in, in, sorry, I believe it's in uh, Deuteronomy, when, when, when God was instructing uh, uh, Moses and then, of course, Joshua to follow, you shall teach these things unto your children. And when you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way, I want you to, to instruct your children and I want you to be among them. I want you to be with them. I want them to be with you. And Jesus gave that example. In Acts chapter 1, uh, when they were replacing Judas as an apostle, one of the qualifications was one who began, you know, beginning with the baptism of John uh, until the day he was taken up. But the Bible says one who was with us when Jesus was going in and out among us. He was among them. He was having time with them. And he was in their presence and they were with him. In 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, when Peter was writing about uh, uh, elders, he said, The elders which are among you I exhort, who also am an elder. Jesus Christ was with His children. He was with His disciples. And I'm just saying that it's not natural 
for the father's heart to be turned away from their children. And I fully believe one of the signs of that, that the heart is not with the child, is that the parent, the father, doesn't have time for his children. Missions begins at home. Your greatest mission field are your little ones. You need to spend time with them. I haven't done this perfectly by any means. But one thing that I determined I would do when I was when, our, when Elena was very young, we had a daddy-daughter time. And the day changed as she grew older. She became more involved with her schedule with school and music lessons and things. And depending on what I was doing in the ministry, my schedule changed. And sometimes we would change the daddy-daughter time from such a day to this day. But we need to spend time. Here's another indication that the heart of the father is not toward the child, for the children. There's no discipline. Hebrews chapter 4. Not 4, Hebrews 12, sorry. Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says in verse number 5, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. God is our example, beloved. God chastens every one of His children. And what's the motive for that? Well, for whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. And the Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 24, that if a father does not discipline his child, are you listening? He hates his children. That is not good. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Why would a parent not want to chasten their child? If a child is being disobedient, if a child is going in a wrong direction, why would a father not want to involve himself and interject himself into that child? Jesus chastens out of love. And the love is, I care for you. I love you. I don't want to see you go this direction. I don't want to see sin destroy your life. This is not going to be acceptable in the house. Why? Because God doesn't accept this. You're going to be chastened for doing this, son or daughter. But why would a father not do that? Well, he doesn't love his child. Then who does he love? He loves himself. He doesn't want to be inconvenienced. He doesn't want to go through the trouble of getting to the bottom of it and explaining and talking and working it out. Because he loves himself. He doesn't have time. That is not good. God sent John to prepare a people for the Lord. 
And He sent them to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Because it wasn't that way. I want you to see something here in verse 7. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? And this is the writer saying, hey, this, this, is, this is you know, a no-brainer. This is understood. What child, what son is there whom the father chasteneth not? God in His love is going to chasten every son whom He receiveth. For if you be without chastisement, listen, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Now, that's an old English word, not maybe as old as we think. We don't use it much anymore. It's kind of turned into a, a bad word. But to call somebody a bastard in biblical times, that was saying you're an illegitimate child. That's what that was saying. If you're illegitimate, you're not, you're not my son. You're not my child. You're a bastard. You did not come from me. You didn't come from my body. You're not really mine. And so when you choose, Dad, not to discipline your child, you know what you're communicating to that child? I don't want you. I don't want you. You're like a bastard to me. I don't want you. I don't love you. In fact, I kind of actually hate you. You're a burden to me. I, don't want, I really don't want you. If I had a choice, you wouldn't be here. Maybe, maybe they communicate, you're a mistake. Verse 9 of Hebrews 12, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the fathers of, uh, Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit, that we might be partakers of holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, here's why it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. When we discipline our child, it's going to produce good fruit if we do it biblically. The peaceable fruit, peaceable fruit of righteousness. You want to know why there's contention and rebellion and disunity and division in the home. There's no peace. Because you're not disciplining. You haven't been disciplining your child. You say, well, Brother Kuzel, why are you preaching on that? That's not missions. Read the context of Luke chapter 1. Missions begins in the home. And it goes right along with what I preached this morning. There's no discipline. You know, uh, the Lord disciplines every son whom He receiveth. Brother, I, I've been disciplined <laughs> of the Lord. And sometimes the discipline has been Pretty intense. But I can honestly say, with God as my witness, brother, when I felt God's heavy hand upon me, and God's chastening me, or purging me, or pruning me, though it didn't seem joyous at the moment, I'll tell you what it did, brother. You know what? Some of the greatest moments of my assurance of my salvation has been when I've been chastened. And when I've been chastened, I haven't really had to turn my head to the Lord and say, Lord, what was that for? I knew. I knew. But I'll tell you what, when I was being chastened, I was so thankful. 
I was so blessed inside of my soul as much as it was a discomfort because I knew God loved me and God cared for me and God didn't want me to go the wrong direction. And God was dealing with me as with the Son. Some of the greatest moments of my assurance of salvation have been when I've been chastened. And that showed me that God loved me. That showed me that God cared for me. God's heart was toward me. And what are you communicating to your child if you don't take the time in love to biblically discipline them? You hate your child. That's what the Bible says. A sign that the heart of the father is not toward his child. Well, let me give you this one, the last one. There is really no love toward that child. There's no affection. There's not an I love you. There's not a hug. There's not any kind of a demonstration of that. And, you know, some may demonstrate it in different ways. I'm not saying that there's a, there's a, a locked-in standard of how you show affection. But I'm telling you that the, the, the child ought to know that Daddy loves them. Both Donna and I, we were very, and still are, very affectionate toward Elena, and it's in different ways. We have our different ways. It's not the same for each of us. One thing we do, tell our daughters that we do love her. We are affectionate. We do give her hugs. We do give her loves. I remember when she was just a little girl. You know, Elena would be on my lap and I would, I would hold her. You know, when, when she would take naps, oftentimes I'd lay with her or at nighttime I'd lay with her. And we'd have our little thing between us. But I wanted my daughter to know that Daddy loves you. I wanted her to hear it from me, and not just once, many times. You know, if a child doesn't know that they're loved, if they're not hugged and cuddled, if they don't hear it, if they don't see it, if they don't feel it, and they need it, they're going to go looking for it. They're going to go looking for it. You know, if I don't, as a father, show affection to my daughter, and it has to go way beyond just saying it, but if my, if my daughter doesn't feel loved by me as her father, She'll go looking for it. You know, Jesus, the, the Apostle John said, that which was in the beginning, which we have seen, we've heard. You know, our eyes have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. What is a sign that a father's heart is not toward his child? There's no affection. Dad, you have a great responsibility. Missions begins in the home. Go back to Luke chapter 1. 
in Luke 1, 17, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And then it says, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Hold your place here and go back to Malachi. Who are the disobedient that are mentioned here? Well, this is a quotation from Malachi chapter 4. Look at verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. And you compare that with Luke. The disobedient to the wisdom of the just. A just man is a saved man. And so here these fathers, they're saved men. They're saved men, but for some reason, their hearts have grown cold to their children. Their hearts are not turned toward their children. And maybe, maybe the father himself, in, in many ways, is a good man. He's a, he's a just man. He's a godly man in, in many ways. He's a separated man. He's serving the Lord. But his heart is not toward his child. You know, when, the, when a father gets his heart right and he repents and gets right with the Lord and his heart is turned toward his child, the father does that, guess what's going to happen? What's going to be the result? What's going to follow as a result when the father humbles himself and says, hey, son or daughter, I'm so sorry. I've neglected you. Maybe it's not even been on purpose, but I've neglected you. I've been too busy for you. I haven't had time for you. The Bible says the disobedient, the children, the hearts of the children will be turned toward the fathers. But it has to start with the father first. And when the father will humble himself and get right with his children, the children will therefore follow. And why would the children's heart be Away from the father. Because the father's heart's away from the child. And they're just reacting and responding to that neglect. But if the Father will get right and humble Himself, it'll be much more easier for the child. That's what God sent John to do. To prepare. To prepare a people for the Lord. Let me just give you some few examples and I'll be done here, but this is, this is critical. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 2. We see a man who is a priest, just like Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, was a priest. We see a priest here named uh, Eli. And the Bible says in verse 11, and Elkanah went to, the, to Ramah to the house. This is after Samuel was born and brought to, the, to Eli the priest. And the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. And so here was a priest, Eli, who was entrusted with the priesthood. But his children were sons of the devil. They were not saved people. Look at verse 22 of the same chapter. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye, why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil doings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. Verse 29, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me. You're putting your sons before me, God said. And how were they doing that? 
Look at chapter 3, verse 3. For I have told him, Eli, that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity, iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Eli was a priest. But he didn't restrain his children. And because Eli never humbled himself and Eli's heart wasn't turned toward his children, his children then grew up in bitterness and regret and hatred probably toward, toward, his, toward their father. Take your Bible and go to chapter 8 of 1 Samuel. And it came to pass, verse 1, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second was Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations." Now here was Samuel. I mean, Samuel was a godly man. Samuel was a, a, a prophet. And I think, you know, him, himself, he, he walked with God in many ways, but for, for whatever reason, it's kind of puzzling actually, brother. His heart wasn't turned toward his children. David the same way. He that ruleth over men must be just. And though it be so, not, not, not so with my house. You know, Dad, you may be a faithful church member. You may have a concern generally for your spiritual life. And God may be using you, but if your heart is not toward your children, you're going to lose them. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you. I'm not going to discipline you. I hate you. I never wanted you anyway. No affection. No I love you. No holding. Will, is, is, is all hope gone? Well, if you continue in that way, it will be. But if you will turn your heart and repent to God and turn your heart to the Lord, He will turn your heart to your child and your child then will turn his or her heart back to you, but you lead the way. And then you'll be a people prepared for the Lord. Missions begins at home. Amen. Dad, your family's hearing the same message you are. And I think you know, I think you know if you have your child's heart or not. 
I think you know if you have a good relationship with your child or not. And if you don't, why not today? Why not today? Get, get, get right with God. Get right with your child. And trust God to bring their heart to you. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for the dads in this room. Father, there may be a father here who has a very young child. May they dedicate themselves to the Lord to be a father who's going to invest himself in his children. His heart will be toward his children. That the children's heart would be toward their parents, the father. And Father, we can be concerned about people in Africa and we can give, we can write a check, we can drop money while our own children go to hell. God is not pleased. And Father, I'm praying that if there's a father here who doesn't have time for his child, is not properly disciplining, correcting, instructing their child, is not being affectionate toward their child. Father, may they repent before they lose. They lose eternal souls living in their own house. And Father, it ought to begin there. That's what the Bible says. Judgment must begin at the house of God. And a house is made up of individual families. And Father, what a shame it is if we lose our own kids, even while trying to reach other people. Father, have your will and way, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.